got to uh, uh, if you guys follow me on Instagram, you guys know on uh, was it Wednesday? Wednesday, I went and saw the clinic with John Five that he did for the teenagers at uh, Alice Cooper. I just want to do the shout out, man. Alice Cooper's Teen Center. This is a cool thing. If you live in the valley, you should check that out. If you guys are other places out there, you know uh, these are great things that if you can try to inspire that in your communities, do this stuff. It was he was awesome. Definitely, definitely, I would highly recommend checking out what I posted on Instagram and Facebook about what he did. He, he was asked some great questions. One was why he uses boss pedals, pretty much only boss pedals. I thought he had a great answer that for that. The video is fifty seconds long on Instagram. I'll link that in this video. And also, they he asked uh, he was asked if they if he was in a band now, what would he do to to be you know to get to advance? And he answered that. And then he did a montage of songs. So again, you guys will check that out. Um, that being said, uh, now that I did that little quick little kind of segue into that, let's do some questions. Uh, the Waco Kid official, not the unofficial Waco Kid, which sometimes we've seen around here. we got to look for that guy. This is the official one. He says, I'm big about Murphy's Law. Oh, I hate Murphy's Law. Uh, <laughs> I, I like the bar Murphy's Law. There's a bar Murphy's Law in my town. That's pretty good. <laughs> I always bring back uh, up cables, pedals, and guitars. My band makes uh, heckle me about it though uh oh bring he brings back up i'm sorry guys uh what are your thoughts what do i think about bringing back up cables pedals and guitars you know what i call that i call that mother hen i think every band anyone who's ever been a band knows what a mother hen is i was always not always 90 percent of the time i was mother hen in the bands mother hen's a tough gig man that's the one where you're the mature one Right. So you're the one that always like making sure the band collecting the money at the end of the gig, making sure that there's extra batteries and cables and pedals and guitars. And uh, yeah, you know, they heckle you. But without you, they they would be sorry. You know what I mean? That's you're doing the right thing, man. It just sucks that it has to be you. Sometimes you're lucky and you got a couple people in the band that have their their stuff squared away. But no extra stuff. There's never li listen. There's never a problem with being over prepared for a gig. I mean, no one's ever said that. I mean, sure, they said later, like, I, you know, I didn't need to bring all that stuff, but not I wish I didn't because you never know when you're going to need that stuff. Uh, bringing stuff to make sure the show is, is a good show, guaranteeing a good experience for the audience is is just doing due diligence. Uh, I give you props. So and uh, and uh, being props from being the mother hen. So and you guys can put in the comments later on the index how many of you guys are mother hens. There's probably a lot of us because the gear guys tend to be the mother hens. Right. The guys in the bands that just show up and have fun and play, they're not the gear freaks. The gear freaks tend to be the ones that obsess about making sure everything sounds right. <laughs> so so there you go. Um, uh, I'm going to say Ian. Ian Carey says, can you compare a Harley Benton guitar versus a pre or something. Uh, I have decided to do a Harley Bitten review. Now, when I say I've decided, I means I have decided and not Harley Bitten has decided. I'm, uh, I will plan to reach out to them. I prepared the email. I just didn't launch it. Uh, I did that uh, last night to review two instruments. I want to review one of their higher ones and their lower one and ones uh, per your guys' request. I thought that'd be kind of cool. Plus, I have something in the works that I think is interesting. Another kind of crazy thing I want to do uh, with you guys and um, and Harley Benton. It's a, uh, it's not a like a promotion or anything. It's just something crazy and fun. So yeah, I I, I tend to do it. Um, you guys have asked for a while, and I'm cur actually curious about something with the Harley Benton. So there's a reason why I want to review them, not just to review the guitars, but to answer some questions I might have. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else do we got? There's so many, so many popping around. Uh, do it yourself pedal kits. Your thoughts. Um, I think they're great, especially if you do one, it gives you an idea of what, what it takes to make a pedal and at least the concept of, you know, putting, constructing a pedal. Um, you know, it's tough, right? You, I, the reason I, the reason I say that is to me, do it yourself stuff. You have to have a, you have to have a compulsion to want to do it more than just want the product. Does it make sense? Don't buy, don't build a pedal because you want a pedal, right? Build a pedal because you want to learn to do something either whether that's the work that's soldering and the construction of the pedal or you just want to learn about pedals if you guys again follow instagram you'll see that i have right now a 57 deluxe fender classic hand-wired kit that we're going to build from scratch that's do max in us and um i'm very excited about that because i've never built an amp before and um 
again, I'm not interested in the amp. The amp's going to be cool. I'm interested in this process. I know it's going to be a very enlightening process. I have done stuffed amps. I've modded stuff in amps. I've done a little things here and there, but I thought it'd be really cool. And uh, I have an ace in the in my up my sleeve. My ace is uh, is uh, not only do I have a couple of friends that are just amazing tube amp builders as well, but I got Lawrence to uh, to uh, kick in and help me a little bit. So uh, once he's 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 feeling ill right now, guys, he's kind of has a flu. But once he's better, uh, he's going to help me do some stuff. And that's going to translate again. Cool, cool content for you guys, because I'm going to have him show you some tricks and stuff. It's, it's instead of just me floundering around making a Stumac kit, we'll just say, hey, how, how do we do? the amp and and uh give you guys some thoughts so we'll see how long and I, that is a video i have no idea that could be two months out who knows or it could be a week out depends on how we do it so i don't know <laughs> lawrence is here lawrence you could type how long how long does it take to make an amp a day or two if i i mean i you know so uh let's see the hold on we got some pin questions too i'm trying to bounce back and forth all right uh, I can't say it. Lyra, Lyra call. Oh, lyrical one. See, you know what it is? Lyrical one. Great. Actually sign on, by the way. Opinion on the new Ibanez SR200 Miso medium scale bass. Oh, well, I love it because I'm a medium scale freak. And as far as I know, Ibanez sent me one or is sending one. Uh, hi, Ibanez or Daniel, if you guys are are, are watching. Uh, uh, I've been as and I talked at the NAM show. This was uh, obviously something I'm really interested in. As you guys know, I, I have a, a original Stu Ham Urge 30 second scale base, my Warwick right there, which is crazy, crazy expensive. Uh, custom base is 32 inch scale. I love the idea that Ivan is making an affordable uh, 32 inch scale. I put it on my top 12 items I saw at NAM show. Uh, and Ivan is, has, uh, said they were going to send me one. I don't know what color it's going to be. I didn't really, you know, pick anything. I didn't care. I just said, send it to me so we can check it out, review it. I'm really curious to see, um, you know, what to think too. So I, I'm a big Ivan is fan. So, you know, so, uh, so, and then, uh, Jess Vermont says, Hey, Phil short scale, semi hollow body, like a Gibson Midtown, uh, special was like 23 and three quarters scale. Gretsch is 24. 24.6 hold on a second anything in the 24 inch scale semi hollows uh you know what you got jess you kind of got me because i didn't know that gibson midtown was a was special was a 23 and three quarters i didn't know it was shorter i never took notice to that that's I, and i i've only probably ever touched one gibson midtown guitar but i don't know if it was a special um, I'd have to look it up. I know it did because uh, my buddy Matt had bought a Gibson Midtown on clearance at, at uh, Sam Ash. This is probably like five or six years ago. Again, you know, you got to do all this memory. And I, I, I forgot even what I did to it. I thought it was a setup. I couldn't remember. You know what I mean? He brought it to me for some service and I did something. Um, maybe it was a pickup install. I don't remember what we did to it, but I didn't take notice to that. So, so the question is, uh, but I can tell you this. I can't answer your question, which is a really big disappointment what i can tell you is i will obsessively be looking that up tonight because that's what happens that's what i do i tonight instead of watching junk tv i will be on the internet researching as much as i can about the subject and we could talk about it next week um frederick simon says uh kid all says have you tried the effect oh my goodness effect road <laughs> sure la-1a and it is a good contender for the origin cali 76 cd okay i gotta look this up you guys can find some of the craziest questions which makes this i think super fun right it's a uh, it's it's always nice to be totally stumped beyond obviously obviously it's some kind of pedal i'm gonna look at it right now guys um Hold on a second. Right now, I'm probably at the biggest disadvantage. I'm sharing with you guys right now. Screen share so that the people listening on on the uh, podcast uh, can get just listen to nothing because <laughs> we're looking at stuff. This is it. It's a two preamp pedal for 470 bucks. Interesting, interesting. Um, and the question was, as I drop back to it, was it's a I don't know what the other thing is. So. Um, I don't know anything. I'm not versed in any of this stuff. This is probably, but interesting enough, we will, again, the Effectrode LA-1A uh, leveling amplifier 
we will index it and I'll have to look it up. Uh, funny enough, I've been really, really interested in tube preamp style pedals lately, extremely, because I think that's a good alternative to the effects unit uh, things that we're seeing, like the, the processors. So, okay. And uh, hold on a second. I'm refreshing again. My screen's going wacky. I told you, today's going to be a more of a loosey-goosey uh, QA because I'm not as, I don't have my agenda set as I normally do. Um, okay. All right, hold on. I missed the question. I'm grabbing it right now, guys, because um, there's 700 of us. And, um, yeah, you guys are just picking. I'm just going to say this stuff because you're picking crazy stuff. It says, have you ever heard of Winsong Guitar Co. guitars? I have not. And uh, we'll index that, though, and I'll put a link to their website. <laughs> Daniel says, as long as Phil has funds, I'm happy. Yeah, I, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Mute the Bozo says, I wish Dan Electro would offer a zero fret model for Lefty someday. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, you know what I'm noticing is less zero fret models offered in the right-handed series. So it's something that uh, they seem to be getting away from. I don't know why. I think that always seems to be the case. I think anybody who's into zero fret guitars, for anybody not doesn't know what we're talking about zero fret is where there's a fret immediately after the nut uh so basically when you're open string your open string rests on a fret and uh it's uh, something that was associated a while for a while with really inexpensive guitars uh you know what i mean back in the day like sears and montgomery ward obviously silver tone and um What's the other one? Harmony? Was that the other one? And uh, I think those actually were built by Dan Electro, Dan Electro for, for a long time back in the day. But anyways, uh, the, the point of it is it's something you don't see very often. And it's very cool. So, uh, yeah, I don't know why they don't do it more. But I noticed that, you know, no matter how cool it is as a feature, guitar players as a whole seem to, seem to not like it. So uh, Lincoln says, anyone know what Taylor that is behind Phil? Let me look. I'll, maybe I can figure it out. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm messing with you. It's a Taylor 214 Deluxe. I finally got a Taylor. Uh, I've been looking for a Taylor since I think November is when I brought this up. I just didn't feel comfortable buying it online. Uh, I wish I did. I did try. I had it in a cart a couple times. I almost bought it from Sweetwater like three different times. Had it in the cart, picked the one of the four they had. And just every time I just get, you know, it's an acoustic. You just want it to feel a certain way and sound a certain way. And so uh, I dragged my poor friend, Matt, to so many places looking at one after another. And this one, believe it or not, um, it, uh, it was the one. So that's what it is. Uh, and yeah, I'll review it. Uh, maybe not a straight up review of the Taylor, but it'll be in a review video. So today's review, today's, one, today's video I just finished just before the live show is an acoustic video as well. Um, okay. Okay, so this is a question we never get uh, about YouTube stuff. Brian Coates says, biggest challenge in your opinion when trying to build a YouTube channel? You know what I think is is this. Uh, I can only give you the, the advice that I did. Does it make sense? I mean, I, I can give you all kinds of theories, but I will give you the advice. Um, when I started my channel, when I started my YouTube channel, um, I, I was talking to my friend Matt. What I mean by that was every time you saw me talking to you guys or the camera, I was really talking to my buddy, Matt. Matt was, is a good friend of mine. And uh, yes, the same one I said, I just dragged around <laughs> to all the stores to get the guitar. And Matt was, would ask me questions and I would answer his questions. So when I make videos, I was kind of talking to him. And that's what I think uh, you, you should do when you're building your channel is, is picture the person that you think you're talking to. And, and, and I think a lot of you would really identify with Matt as a player and as a person. And so, um, so that's what that's the one thing. Then, but when you're talking about building the channel, you have to make content that you enjoy because here is the real big problem with this 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 game, this deal. the The wins and losses are so extreme in every direction. You know what I mean? I have been shocked. I'm shocked every week with how well 
YouTube does for me and how horrible it does for me. And what I've learned is, is that whenever I'm not enjoying it, it doesn't matter if I'm, if you're making any money at it or you're not, or if anybody's watching or they're not, um, when you're not happy, it just really slows everything down. So the biggest challenge is to keep your interest. That's my biggest challenge. What do I want to do? What do I want to do this week? So, and then also I will tell you this, anybody with smaller channels, please take this with as much power behind as you can. Enjoy when you have smaller channels that you can have as much as the channel to yourself as possible. In other words, you know, as the channels grow, there's a community. And when there's a community, uh, you know, we all have, we all want to talk about certain things. So the channel has to lean into the community a little bit. So there you go. Just have fun is what Pooh Ninja says. Absolutely. Uh, I can tell you right now, you uh, you guys have called me every time. I will never play poker because of YouTube, by the way. Every time I've ever tried to force myself to do something, you guys are so fast on the comments with how obvious I was not enjoying this or something. So the point where I just don't do it if I enjoy it now. If I don't enjoy it, I don't do it because I can't pull it over i can't pull one over on anybody which is good you guys saved me a fortune in trying to ever learn poker because i don't have the face for it uh airblazer says hello from ireland hello uh let's see what else do we got hold on i'm going to do two things real quick i'm gonna refresh that and then go back so Ed Axman says, picture everyone naked. You know, I don't know. You could. I don't know. I've never done that. Like I said, I find it's the same thing I can tell you. I do the same thing on stage. I literally think I'm, t I don't, you know, you know, everybody's like, uh, you know, look around and stuff. I just enjoy myself. <laughs> if you ever see me on stage, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's like, uh, it's, I am the, uh, I am the opposite. You know how they say, look everybody in the eyes and make sure you're making contact. I force myself to do that a couple times to the show, but for the most part, I just could, I'm just all there for me. <laughs> I'm just having fun. So there you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, and you know what is, since this ties in, I'll, I'll tell you a funny thing happened when I play with Larry, Larry was showing me something, a change, a last minute change to a song. And he says, you got it. And I said, uh, yeah, I got it. Or if I get it wrong, I'll just smile even bigger. And then he, he looked at me. I don't want to say with panic, but with a kind of a, disapproving like what the and, and and uh and what happened was yeah i messed it up uh because i kind of thought i did i had he had a couple changes last last minute and and i had to put them all in my head and i got most of them and the one i missed i did exactly what i said i would do i um i smiled even bigger i looked like i was even having more fun and uh i'm sure people caught it the the really good musicians caught the mistake but the rest everybody else just had a blast so that's all that matters all right enough of that stuff uh so yeah, Kelly says, yeah, that was funny during warm-up. Yeah, Kelly, because you were you were there. You saw it. You saw his face, right? It was when I said that to him, it wasn't he his face was he Larry can't play poker either because his face was funny when I said, Yeah, but if I mess it up, I'll just smile really big and no one will care. That's what I said. So uh yeah. Uh <laughs> all right. Excuse me, guys. I just gotta keep something keep drinking something so my throat doesn't go dry uh says what are your best practices for selling and buying on reverb returns etc oh yeah rick uh that's rick james 5150 um two things when i buy on reverb uh i try to be diligent buyer uh i try to ask all the questions ahead of time um you know, I bought a guitar last Christmas. It was an Ibanez uh, RG something in copper. And I didn't, it was at Christmas time. I wasn't paying attention. I didn't ask any questions at all. I bought it. It was hor horrendously horrible. It was a horrible guitar. And I just, I just ate it. I didn't even email the guy back with, wow, this was so poorly described. I, I, I didn't do anything in my, my, my opinion to ensure that I had a good experience. Not that it's all on me, but it was, you know, I could have, the things I was concerned about, I, I, I was kind of weary of them and I didn't ask him. So as a buyer, I try to be, you know, buyer beware, be diligent, ask questions. If it looks too good, it probably is true, you know, kind of thing. Um, that's what I try to do. Uh, when I'm selling, the only advice I can tell you about selling is that 
uh, there's there's always going to be that email that comes right after the purchase, and it's always going to be somebody either wanting to return it or disgruntled or having an issue with something. And here is my only advice: you can you can. There's nothing easier to fake than an email. And what I mean by that is when you want to say, I always said I would be a, a a billionaire if I can make this app, you know, for your phone. I want an app where I can type horrible stuff. And it translates it into positive stuff. So I can say like, you're a jerk and go suck it. And the app would translate it into, uh, thank you for the feedback. Uh, I'll talk to you later. That would be awesome. Um, but because there is no app, that's how I deal with disgruntled uh, issues uh, when people are <laughs> emailing me, if you have that issue. like, uh, And so, you know, big common thing on Reverb right now, it's really common. And it's it's always been a thing, which is, you know, you send a guitar, you, you, you're very diligent about your description, you make good pictures. And then all of a sudden they're like, nah, this isn't how you described it, or there's an issue. And what I've learned is whether you agree with them or disagree, uh, I take the road of, hey, Okay, let me, you know, I work with them and I just take it as face value that they're right. And I, I, I'll kill them with kindness. Man, I just took 20 minutes just to say that. Kill them with kindness. So, so there you go. Uh, yeah. And so there, so there's with, with dealing with reverb, be diligent uh, about your, your, when you're a buyer and then be kind when you're a seller. It sounds silly, but it will work out for you in the long run, even at the minute at that. And so, you know, everybody, when you, Everybody thinks that's easy advice, but remember the advice is the hardest when you're pissed because sometimes when you're mad, it's hard to be rational. So you got to think about this now when you're rational. So when you're being irrational, you remember it. We all have that problem, man. Like I said, my, my unfortunate advice always when I tell anybody thing is I am not smart. I'm experienced. Everything I tell you guys is because I did it wrong once or twice or three times. <laughs> So I wish I could come across like I figured something out, but the really is I just learned it the hard way. Uh, what did Brian say? He gave a good tip. Oh, okay. Wait, he says, make an offer even if there is no button. Oh yeah. Always. Yeah. yeah but that was, that's different. That's different than I, I'm looking at like protecting yourself. I always ask for a better price. Yeah. Yeah. That's a different thing though. I, I think there's always nothing wrong with asking for a better price. So it's up to them if they want to say no. I just think, like I said, again, I always, and I've said this before, you always ask with respect. Don't, uh, at least I do, uh, you know, Hey, can you do any better than that? You know what I mean? I always, and I, you know what I'll even do sometimes I'll, uh, honesty is the best policy. Uh, if somebody has a price on a guitar, let's say that the guitar is 300 bucks and it's a good price. It's the going rate for the guitar. They're not asking anything ridiculous, but you want to see if they'll go like 280 or 275 or 250, depending on what you're trying to get. Um, you know, I usually just ask for 10%. That's an easy number to, you know what I mean? For most people to swallow and it saves you a little scratch. If I ask for that, I owe, sometimes if they're being fair with their price, I start my comment with, look, your price is very fair, but I'm just seeing if there's any wiggle room here. So you never know. Sometimes they take it, uh, well, and then if they say no, I usually buy it anyways. <laughs> so, uh, okay. What else do we got? Uh, okay, hold on a second. Hold on. Okay, Null Space. We're going to stay on the reverb thing for a while. Null Space wants to know what about low ball bids on reverb? So I'm going to take it as giving and receiving, right? When you get a low offer or when you give one. Um, you know, the low offers, it's a tough thing because you. here's why. We all know if you put something on Reverb for $500 and somebody sends you like, will you take $200? That's an insult. And, and my experience is if they're sending that, then no matter what you respond with, they're not going to ever respond or do anything because they're starting with such an, in, an insane place. So... To me, I hate to say it, uh, you know, I just don't respond to that stuff. I just delete it. It's not even worth my time. Uh, you know, and there's different opinions on that. Everybody's like, hey, might as well respond. You never know. But me, if I have something for 500 bucks and I can offer for 250 or 300 or something silly, I don't even respond. It's not worth my time. Um, but, and then low ball offers, giving offers. Um, I don't know. Low ball offers. If I low ball anybody, there's always a logic behind it that I think will validate it. So I'm never coming across uh, 
with crazy. In other words, what I mean is if somebody's got something for a thousand dollars, but it's been up for sale for five months, it's like, Hey man, it's time to lower the price. No one's buying this thing. Um, cause that's part of the crazy thing I've never understood. People will sit and there's some of you guys are out there. You're, you're the, you're the ones that do this too. And you know what, if you do that, maybe you can type in the comments why you do it. it it's not again to defend yourself. It's just to kind of give us a perspective of both that, uh, you know, both thought processes, but I, I like a Craigslist even worse than reverb by far, but I love it when you go on Craigslist and there's somebody with a thing for a thousand bucks. And then eight months later, a year later, it's still getting reposted for the same price. And I'm like, look, man, nobody's paying that price. And I know I've heard some friends say, you know, you never know, just keep waiting until somebody buys it. Okay. Maybe they're right. I don't know. My experience is you just, I don't know. If you don't want to sell it, don't put it up for sale. Uh, December 19971. I'm going to say 1971 in December. Says, hey, Phil, what do you think about Sir guitars? Do you own one? I don't own one. They are very good. Every Sir guitar I've ever played was a fantastic playing guitar. Uh, but to be 100%, uh, you know, just to tell you what's up, I really want an Arizona uh, AZ. Uh, and I have an AZ. I, I call them Arizona's, but it's I, I have an AZ. I don't know what AZ stands for, but uh, my state is AZ. I want an Ibanez AZ, which is, in my mind, their version of a Sir guitar. I don't know why I want that one. I think it's because uh, they they do it the way I want. They have a, a metallic color that I want. That, they just have the guitar I want. So over the Sir. Um, you know, to me, how I feel about that is, Wanting that is wanting a sir. So if I, you know, and I plan to get one. So, you know, that's, that's been something I've been planning for a while. The one I want is constantly out of stock, uh, constantly. And I've seen a couple on reverb, but, uh, you know, I want to make sure I get the weight. You know, I, I want one around seven and a half pounds ish, you know, maybe eight pounds. I just don't want it heavy. I don't want a nine, 10 pounder. It shouldn't be, but, uh, but that's what I'm up to. So sir guitars are great. Uh, I would totally get one, but I don't see the point of having both the Ibanez AZ and the Sir guitar. And uh, there you go. And but you know what? Part of the other appeal to me, the Ibanez guitars, I'm an Ibanez guy. I, you know, when they were, they were the guitars when I was a kid that were kind of cool. And um, I have a couple of Ibanez guitars, but also when I was at GitCon, the first one with, uh, with Martin and Tom Quell, those guys were like, cool you know what i mean they're just like the nicest tom I, I bumped into tom at the at the nam show he's like super cool guy the guy plays like nobody's business and uh you know he he's got his own az guitar and that kind of made me want one too you know that helps you know like i said sometimes guitars are more than just a, a an, an object sometimes it's an experience or a feeling and the you know so that takes me back you know those guitars um okay the next one is Okay, so Jess is giving me more information. Uh, this is goes with the two preamp pedal thing. It says, hey, Phil, uh, one more. National Resophonic has an uh, electric Pioneer RP1. Can you give that a test spin? I will put it in the comments, obviously, when I repost this. And uh, I'll put a link, and I'll give it a, a, a good examination tonight. It says, Connor wants to know, any experience with getting good tone and feel from Ampless or Direct Rigs? Oh yeah, yeah. You know that's that's a great question. That's a question like that I, I love. Like when we were geeking out, uh, uh, I love to talk about this. Two tube amps versus uh, modeling stuff. As you guys see, I have the Helix down there. I so you know, is it here in the room? No, it's in the other room. I have. Oh no, it's right here. I bought one of these. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> and, and I'm laughing because you guys, some of you guys that are fans of the, of the channel know that uh, Line 6 sent me that one, and then I bought this one. Um, uh, because uh, there's a couple things I didn't love about the LT. What I mean love, I mean feature-wise. Mostly, the thing is like a, it's like an aircraft carrier. Reminds me of the the uh you know an aircraft gear uh so i'm uh gotta i'm i'll finish up the video of this uh everybody talked about doing a review of the helix i'm doing a review of these two i'm going to compare these two and why i like which things about both because i've been really conflicted since i've had them both a being them there's things i like about each one and don't like about the other anyways back to the the this uh, question which is that stuff sounds great this helix stuff this axe effects this kemper all this stuff but yeah, there's a feeling thing. It's that's not there. The, the tube amps, just the way the amps react, the way the speakers react has a feeling. So to get to the core of what your question is, is 
you know, any experience like what of getting good tone, the tone isn't really where I have a problem. I think you could get fantastic tone out of this stuff, but the feel is kind of strange. So what I've done, what I do with those things for me is the same thing that I do uh, for, I did a trick. So here's the trick I did with the Helix and stuff. Um, I've always used for solid state amps, I've always used a compressor to kind of give me this kind of compressed tube kind of squishiness feel. So I use a compressor. What I learned on the Helix was you can route signals. So I was routing when I was recording a signal without a compressor into the recording interface, but I was using a compressor in the one that I was getting in my in my live feed. And it was really nice because I could feel kind of more tube-like having that compression kind of push and, and, and it's very kind of a fakey thing, but it worked for me. So, so, you know, that's what I did. And that's something I've done in the past with, with pedals where I use a compressor for me, but not for the, the other, you know, the audience or something because the compressor really kind of gives me a feeling that, um, that it doesn't, but the sound isn't what you want sometimes. So, uh, that's, uh, that's how I did it for direct rigs is that's how I get that kind of feeling back. Uh, a lot of people are like the IRs and all that stuff. I use all that stuff too, but, but what I'm specifically talking about is that tube feeling the feeling of a tube but not the sound of it it does have a feeling there is something there you know what i mean we all know that uh saints guitar says hey phil uh thoughts on the marshall origin series i like the marshall 20 uh, origin 20 i played in fact that was kind of the reason why if you guys noticed i bought the uh jcm 800 i think we talked about this a mini which is in the other room right now um you know, and you guys talk about the Plexi. Part of the problem I have with the Plexi is uh, it's great. I actually think it's better than the Origin uh, 20 when I, you know, right, when you play them. But the Origin sounds fantastic, and it's half the price. And I'm sure you could say the same thing about the uh, the uh, DSL 20 versus the JCM 100. But the DSL 20 to me is a kind of a different animal, a little, little more gain, a little different than the, uh, than the JCM 100, where the Origin is kind of that Plexi kind of world. Plus that 20 watt plexi is loud because because it's just all master volume with no no gain control. Uh, Ed says, Phil, keep in the Marshall studio. Yeah, the, the 800, it's in the other room. So um, yeah, it's the worst thing about this channel for you guys, especially on the live show is when you guys see stuff that's not here, a lot of times you're, I think your first inkling is, is gone. But actually, m not every time, but a lot of times if it's in my other room, my bedroom, that's when I'm really using it because I tend to not try to come in here because when I come in this room, I always end up recording and either recording or doing this or, or answering emails and stuff. So it, sometimes I just go in the bedroom because it's, you know, just it's me time get to play music and enjoy myself. Um, uh, Cody want to know what I think about the victory four pedals. I haven't tried them. I haven't even seen them. I mean, I've seen just pictures. Okay. Hold on a second. And then by the way, Peyton Johnson just did a super chat. Thanks you Peyton for just putting it in the tip jar. Um, and then, and then Anthony says, Oh, he's got a question. It'll make the guitar players happy. He says, Hey Phil thoughts on bass for recording play guitar, but would like one to lay down, uh, tracks for song ideas. Uh, I'm in a DAW sub $500 range, my Epiphone Thunderbird or similar thoughts. I'm well, a bass is, I mean, obviously it's a bass is no different than a guitar. Okay. In the idea that it has to inspire, you have to like it. You have to look at it. It has to be the thing you want. Um, so, I mean, there's no, there's nothing I can say, saying anything about a bass that it would be different than a guitar is silly. So if I, if I said buy this guitar, cause it's easy to play versus buy the guitar you want, you buy the bass you want. But that all being said, uh, for guitar players that are not bass players, that's why some of those shorter scale basses are cool for recording because it's a little easier. The other thing is nice is like the Ibanez sound gear basses because the necks are a little smaller. Jazz basses by Fender because the necks are a little smaller. Um, the reason is is because it's a little tricky to jump, man, from these longer scale, bigger, you know, instruments like the bass to the guitar and back and forth if you're doing tricky stuff. Again, it happens to do this all goes around being doing tricky stuff. Um, if you're just laying down bass lines that are that are normal, you know, one, four, five style, style bass lines and stuff. I don't think it really matters, but man, it gets a little tricky if you're trying to pull off licks with a guitar and then you think you're just going to go over to the bass and do the same lick now that the scale has increased, you know, dramatically. So sometimes like that, it hel it helps. Um, but that being said, uh, you know, but I will tell you this. Here's what I think a guitar player rookie mistake is. 
guitar player rookie mistakes is to buy really cheap basses because uh, they don't use them very much and they use it for recording. If you want a bass for recording, I'm not, not we're not talking about expensive. We're talking about good. Buy a good bass. Buy a bass. It doesn't matter what the price is. It, buy a bass you like the way it sounds. Go plug one in and, and, and buy it because it sounds good. And you'll like making tracks with it. What I notice is a lot of guitar players do something crazy. They'll buy this bass just because it was cheap. They don't even care. They're like, ah, it just works. And then what happens, they track with bass and then they constantly got to retrack with another bass because that bass sounded horrible. And uh, plus, you're not going to get better as a bass on your bass player side of your guitar playing uh, when you're recording if you don't like the way this bass sounds. Imagine if you use the same theory for guitar. You're like, I just got to buy a crappy guitar and record music with it. Don't use one theory for one instrument you wouldn't use for another. And I, so like I said, buy a good bass. Again, that doesn't mean expensive. That means buy good, good quality. Something sounds good. You can buy good basses all day long. I, like I said, I have a bass for 300 bucks that I think is amazing. Uh, and I don't even think you have to spend that much if you don't want to. Uh, the next one, hold on. I want to jump back to a non-pen question. Jonathan says, is it hard to learn to solder pickups? Jonathan, I will put a link into the video where we did the last Sharp Max where Melissa did it. She did it. And um, uh, let me tell you, man, she did a good job. I don't think it's hard at all. I think soldering is uh, pretty straightforward. Pickups, the hardest thing about pickups is uh, you, you just got to learn a basic, learn to read a very basic schematic. So I'm, I'm not trying to make it sound so easy that if you can't get it, you know, you, it's bad. But I'm just saying it's there's nothing going to be easier than this. There's just a few rules with uh, pickups that you follow. There's a few, few rules with soldering you follow. It's a very straightforward thing. Um you know what I mean? So Jonathan, you can do it. Any, any, anybody who wants to solder can solder. It's not the end of the world. Um, you know, you just don't burn yourself. <laughs> so th that sounds easier said than done, but everybody's burned themselves. So, you know, it's actually, uh, I think I, uh, I don't know if I shared this with you guys once, but was it a, a year ago? It was a year ago. So it's not barely a year. A year ago is the first time I ever really burnt myself with a soldering, soldering iron. I'd never done it before. And then about a year ago, I was doing something and I learned a lesson. Uh, I was soldering and somebody came up to ask me a question. And my, my, my policy, my internal work policy, whenever I'm working on anything and not even soldering, not even dangerous stuff, if I'm just doing anything, when somebody comes and talks to me, I stop. It's like, you know, I hit pause. I always stop what I'm doing. I put the tool down and I, because, you know, you don't get distracted. And for some reason, I don't know why, which I, I, didn't follow my own advice. I, I looked up, I'm looking at the person and I go to solder and I, my hands, I guess, weren't where I thought it was. And the solder crossed over on this finger and just burnt it so bad. It was the first time I ever got a really bad blister and stuff. It was really bad. Um, so it was it just, and the only reason I tell you that is like, that's 20 years of soldering. And then that's my first bad, you know, accident and it can happen to anybody, anytime. So pay attention. At least it wasn't a saw blade. I'll take a burn over a cut any day on, on that world of soldering versus saw blades. Um, so there you go. <laughs> soldering. I know. You know what? Everybody hates that. Solder, you know, soldering with an L or soldering or saw. What somebody put on one of my videos, I say S-A-W, saw during. I think that's how I do say it. Saw during. So, you know, I, uh, I should point this out. I learned to solder in the army and I got yelled at, but not for what I said, just for when I get, when I was doing stuff. Um, that's how I initially, when I first soldered, it was in the army. And, um, that's why I have certain things I do when I solder that are, they're very, you know, regimented, you know, way, the way I was taught, but I'm saying it wasn't, no one said anything. So I don't know. Sometimes you can't get around somebody's accent or, they're, you know, the way they pronounce something. Um, huh, Jos Josco Plumbing Supply says, hey, Phil, love the channel. Thoughts on the Matt Heafy custom Epiphone? Well, that thing's crazy cool. Did you guys see the Jared Dines video where he got one? If you guys don't know what that is, it's the it's a Les Paul that's uh, it's white. The whole thing's white. The fretboard's white. I'm sure it's a, uh, um, what is that? Uh, Rich Light fretboard in white. It's a thing's cool as heck man. You know, that, that guitar, when I was looking at that, that's really when the summer Nam rich light was really promoting 
these all these color fretboards. They can do red fretboards and blue fretboards, any color fretboards and stuff. And um, I think eventually that's what's going to make Rich Light really take uh, to the to the to the community uh, guitar players as a whole. Because if you think about it, Rich Light isn't con confined by making fake looking ebony and rosewood and maple looking fretboards, and they mostly do ebony because it's just black. Rich Light can eventually do custom cool stuff. So, like they can actually make it look like crazy wood grains and do stuff. And I think when you, I think a lot of players, I think what's going to happen is a couple of high end companies will start using some crazy rich, rich light uh, fretboards that have crazy, you know, graphics or stuff in them. And then, and then all of a sudden it'll just be this thing that we, you know, kind of use a little bit more. I'm still the, the, I'm still not a huge rich light fan, but I don't hate it for any reason. Uh, you know, it's not like a sound or anything. Uh, Connor says, what is rich light? Rich light is a man-made material that they use on guitars. Um, uh, the golden a six has it, the custom Les Paul customs right now. So if you buy a $4,000 Les Paul custom from Gibson, it has rich, rich light, rich light is a man-made material. It's pressed paper and, uh, other, and, and epoxies, uh, to some degree. And, uh, that's how it is. My understanding is rich light is different than phenolic resin fretboards. Phenolic fretboards, uh, is a, uh, is a, is a resin base, a different kind of thing. Phenolic resin, uh, uh, fretboards are what like Zahn uses and, um, who else? Maybe Modulus used them too. I mean, there's com mostly graphite companies would use phenolic resin fretboards. So, um, but they're same, but different. Uh, I think it's cause it uses different formulas. Essentially everything is yeah, uh, Beatmaster says, I and mean, this ties in what we're saying. Beatmaster says white phenolic fretboards are not rare anymore. No, 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 it's not rare. None of it's rare. That's what I'm saying. I don't. I think it's going to get even more common and more noticeable and cooler. You know what I mean? People will really, really get. Um, I think it's going to get cooler than just using a color. Like I said, they'll do graphics on them. They'll do crazy stuff. So I don't know why they're not doing that now. So uh, what else? All right, uh, Sean. Sean says, "Are filter trons the most versatile and underrated pickups? Maybe ever?" Question mark. He's asking. Thanks, Phil, for always keeping it real. Uh, I love filter trons. Uh, the filter trons are a pickup that uh, gets pigeonholed from the way it looks. You know, if you guys don't know what a filter tron is, it's definitely the pickup that's associated with Gretsch guitars. You see it a lot. Fenders used it in Telecasters, which every time you ever play a Telecaster with filter trons, it's one of the best selling Telecasters I've ever played. Um, so I like filter trons uh, and the TV Jones uh, pickups and stuff. Uh, I, versatile. They're definitely more versatile than people think. It's a, There's a definitely a visual problem with it. People see it. It looks like a 50s. Uh, toaster oven, you know what I mean? It's, uh, you know what I mean? I don't want to pigeonhole that, but it's got a very fifties flair to it. It's Chrome. And I think, uh, I think you can't ever get around the fact that people are always going to be visual, which means they look at it. And because it looks a certain way, it sounds a certain way, but yeah, filtertrons are very, very good. Um, I would love to have a tele, uh, telecaster with filtertrons. Maybe that'd be a good sharp in my ax. Maybe we put filtertrons in a telecaster and see what happens. Maybe put a Bigsby in a filtertrons on a telecaster. It's a good question. The two, yeah, that'd be cool. The two that we're working on right now are a little bit more involved in that, but that'd be a good one as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, Michael Horton says, have you ever heard of switch guitar? Yeah, when I did my uh, uh, $500 guitar challenge at the Sam Ash, they had a switch guitar in there. Uh, had two of them, I think. Switch guitars are like crazy. Uh, they're extruded, like it's extruded plastic or something. You know, a Sammy Ash, Sam Ash, Sammy, Sammy told me... Uh, what it was and i think i put it in the video what it was um because he has one he says in his office and he loves it so there you go so if you have a switch guitar you're in good com uh you're in good company because sammy ash has like vintage guitars and then he has a switch guitar that he loves so guy owns one of the biggest music stores in the country that's a cool guitar to have if you're you know and like i said good company all right and then hold on a second there's another one right here and it says uh, Steve wants to know, he says, Hey Phil, I really enjoy the channel. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. And the info I'm looking to get a Gibson SG. Any advice deciding between the 2008 faded or the 2009 19 standard tribute with satin finish? Is it worth the extra for the 200 2019? You know, again, we talked about this, uh, when we, somebody asked me about the 2019s and 
I, I have not physically tried them, so I don't know. You know what I mean? We've heard that they've made some processes improvements. Of course, the biggest thing is if you guys are watching the, like I said, the new CEO of, of Gibson has out there and he's stated a bunch of stuff, bunch of changes, a bunch of things he's implementing, big improvements. And there's a lot of pressure to say, hey, look, um, the new guitar is going to be better. I, I can only tell you, you know, you know, again, I can only give you what, what I've experienced. I have a 2018 and I love it. There you go. It's fine. Uh, so, uh, you know, obviously they made good guitars then too, cause I have one and I like it. Uh, so my guess is here's my thing, Steve, here's what I'm gonna tell you. If you pick up a 2018 faded and it's great and you love it, don't worry. You're not missing out on anything. That's the easy part. Don't keep your money, be happy and move on. However, if you're picking up 2018s and you're not finding something you like, maybe you should wait, maybe, but like I said, if it, you know, if you pick it up and it's good, it's good, man. Don't worry about, uh, you know, the new anything that that's always going to be the case. There's always think of this. Cause then you're gonna have to worry about 2020 when they get it even more right. 2021 when they get it even more right in theory. Right. So there you go. So let's see. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Eric says, what's your favorite 12 string? Uh, I only have one 12 string and I haven't even played it yet. It's in a box downstairs. <laughs> so um, I'm hoping to unbox it uh, next week. It's been really busy around here lately with stuff. So, uh, so I've been a little behind the curve getting stuff done. So uh, the 12 string I've been wanting, I got but I haven't opened it because, you know, it's like a, everybody else. Sometimes you got to work. So um, Roland JC22 amp as a headphone out. Wait, sorry. 52G in Golf says Roland JC, that's a jazz chorus 22. So if you guys are not familiar with the jazz chorus, they, they used to make 120 watt, 120 jazz chorus, 120, 212 amplifier from Roland. Very huge, very big amp, very known for being this amazing clean amplifier. And now uh, Roland has made smaller versions, including the JC 22, uh, which I think has two eight inch speakers in it. Please, if I'm wrong, somebody put it in the notes and, and correct me. Uh, you know, I'm only going off the visuals. I haven't, you know, I haven't, uh, looked at the spec sheet. Anyways, it says uh, Jay, the, he's telling us that the Roland Jazz Chorus 22 has amp has headphones, uh, has a headphone out, but no speaker sim on it. Okay, listening with headphones not pleasing. Yeah, that would be my experience with most every amp that has a headphone out. <laughs> Modelers that have headphones out seem to be doing well, but man, every amp that has a headphone out, it's it's not a great. It's, uh, it's not great. So, um, and, it, uh, but that would be great if you guys have experienced great headphone out amps, put that in the comments later too. I'm curious because I, I cannot, I can't literally think of one, uh, that I've, uh, that I've enjoyed, uh, usable maybe, but enjoyed. Mm, that's a stretch. Um, I want to practice at night using the headphone, uh, thinking of a speaker sim in the effects loop. Um, uh, you know, I think you're, I think you're working too hard, man, for this. Uh, if you really enjoy the amp and you need to use headphones, that's great. But I can only, I, I'll, I'll tell you what I do at this point is I just use something for headphones. Uh, you know, we, you know, at this point you can get an iRig and put it on your, your, your tablet, or you can get all kinds of, you know, you can get a zoom pedal that uh, you can pick a you, think of this right now. I know for a fact on your locals Craigslist or on reverb on eBay, there are a plethora of multi effects units that all are cheap, uh, cheap, everything from a hundred bucks down to $30 that will sound great with a uh, headphone because they have some effects and that helps if you can put some room reverbs and stuff like that. And um, all those will sound better. And you can just have that at night and use that, you know, play the amp until it's time to go switch to headphone mode and then switch to headphone mode. Nothing wrong with having that. It will be cheaper than any concoction you come up with to make this amp work out for you. Um, and if it's, if it's because you're got a hang up that you really want to use this amp, I understand that. But um, I have done again, you know, the, I have tried it versus I, what I think. I did the same thing. I, I bought the uh, mini rock rack from Rivera from Rivera and that lets you put it. And I was I took a tube amp and I put it in there and then I used the same thing effects units and all this stuff. And then I used my headphones to get all this sound. And really what happened was I had this whole concoction going 
And really, to be honest with you, you can get a Zoom 505 pedal for literally $20 anywhere and you plug into that. And for any head, if your headphones, it sounded fantastic. It was fine, right? Because you're, you're thinking of this, you're trapped, you're trapped already with the headphones. You know, nothing's going to sound any better than what the headphones going to produce. So, so that, there you go. Because the, you know, there you go. That's my advice. My advice is don't go down that rabbit hole. Get yourself a little good to have a headphone amp and be happy with that. Uh, and, uh, and then enjoy the amp when it's time to play the amp. Okay, let's go to a non-pin question. How are we doing on time? We're doing good. We're hitting the hour soon. So, um, yeah, Zoom G3 is great. Exactly. Like I said, you know what's great? I used to love all the Pandora units by Korg. Uh, you can even get little cool ones that have, like, built-in recorders and stuff. You know what I mean? And you can record at night and do some stuff. I mean, like I said, the, the amount of stuff that I see in music stores every month that is like that, that's literally worthless in price i mean it's it's just a it's almost like a joke uh i was in a store i saw a pedal it was a digitech and, and it was like six dollars and i was like man that's a that's a a, a foofy what is that? i'm saying foofy but i'm gonna say it it's a foofy that's a foofy coffee right that's a that's one of those you know vanilla whipped something coffees is like and i was like man you can buy a piece of technology and make music with it <laughs> For the price of a nice co expensive coffee so yeah boss gt1 absolutely yeah you know what if you're a rolling guy oh thank you who said the boss gt1 uh i if it jumped if i missed you oh there it is uh syndicate thank you syndicate you know what's great is he uh, syndicate just nailed it for you buddy um the jazz chorus is on almost all of the boss kind of me25s and me50s and all those boss products have uh, their, their cause, uh, it's cause Cosmo Cosm, the Cosm system for, uh, for that amp. So you could get an actual simulated version of that amp that you like from boss to run your headphones and then run that pedal with that amp when you want. That's the, that's the beautiful pair up right there. And you can get an ME 25 pretty cheap too. Same thing. Like you said, a boss GT one. Yeah. If you're a boss guy, stick with boss. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. That was a good suggestion syndicate. Um, let's see. The Shane Gelvin says, Hey, is the center position on a Telecaster on a Telecaster hum canceling? Uh, it depends on the pickups. So what happens is one of the pickups has to be reverse wound. In other words, the slugs have to be upside down, right? So one pickup has to be going north and one pack pickup has to be going south. That's what happens. So think about this. The best way to explain it, Shane, is this way. Um, not all Fender strats are hum canceling in position two and four, right? So if you get with vintage strats, like a 50 strat, what should happen is for, first of all, there shouldn't be a five-way switch in a, a real 50 strat, right? It's a three-way switch. But if you do have the five-way switch, uh, and the pick and the guitar is being modeled correctly, their center pickup should also, should not be center, uh, uh, reverse wound. I don't know what's in center reverse wound, which means, so all positions have six, 60 cycle hum. So, uh, uh, so to get, and it's really common for Telecasters to not have one of the two pickups reverse wound. So that's why they don't cancel each other out. So you have to cancel a humbucker literally has two pickups, uh, that are one is, uh, the magnets are North and one of the magnets are South. That's, that's one element of that process of the reverse wound process. Right. So, um, so to answer your question is, is the center position of the telecats or hum canceling? Yes and no. It depends on if it has that. You can tell because if you don't have one of those cool things that I use where the magnet flips colors, you know, you, I may have used it in a video. If not, I'll have to do a video of that. Um, but you can take a light magnet and just hold it over a pickup. Really, really, you know, not don't do anything crazy like degauss your pickup or anything. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, just you'll feel it pushing or pulling away. That's a good way to test. So. Uh, maybe that needs to be a video because uh, stuff like that, I get nervous when I'm telling you guys stuff. I don't want you doing something crazy without, without the visual part of it, but yeah. Yeah. Michael, by the way, on a side note, back to the first conversation, Michael says he's, uh, worn out two pen, uh, Pandora's and he loves them. Yeah. And then Sean Pierce Johnson. Hey, Sean Pierce Johnson. That's a good channel. We'll index that. If you don't know Sean's channel. Uh, check him out. He does. Uh, he also has a great Instagram where he does the Stompbox Saturdays. So check that out as well. By the way, Sean, a side note, I'm very excited. I got the uh, the Legacy preamp from Carvin, 
And uh, man, I I can't I can't say right now because it would ruin the review. Ah, ruin the review. Uh, I love it. I like it more than the X One. I'm like I couldn't stop playing it. I, I just couldn't stop playing it. So. Uh, so, anyways, on that side note, we'll do like two more questions before we call it. Okay, so we got uh, Hannah Gunson says, "Hey, Hannah, what's up, buddy?" Says, "Have you heard of flax uh, wood guitars made with natural?" Fiber reinforced thermoplastic. Yes, there was a used one in town, and I went and checked it out, and I almost bought it. Flaxwood guitars look cool. Uh, uh, yes, so yeah, it's a crazy instrument. If you guys don't know, I'll index it uh, when I do the uh, the uh, the index, and I'll put a link to their website. Very cool, different kind of guitars. Like you said, it's a fiber reinforced thermoplastic. Um, you know what I mean? They look like that. They got a very Parker Carvesque looking uh, body and shape to them um and la last one of the pin ones is best guitar chair stool for home use drum throne uh i use a drum throne is what i use um but i have a drum well when i say drum throne i have a drum seat but what i use is these you know these things you can get from anyone i have a fender one right here uh bar stools right uh the fender has them gretch has them Marshall has them, but I use 24 inch bar stools, not the 32 inches, uh, because I like my feet to not only to be able to put my feet up on the, the ring right there, but also put them on the floor if I want to push pedals. And if you have the 32 inch bar stool, you really can't use any pedals or anything. So 24 inch stools is what I recommend. You can use anything from wood stools that you get at your local like target or whatever, or like I said, drum stools, but definitely stick with 24 inches that's that's where i think i that's what i highly recommend uh for 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 me at least so yeah uh ken want to be want to be says uh harbor freight has them as well yeah exactly so uh you know buy the one that's the that fits your needs the best and then make sure it's just uh 24 inches so uh, you know what? Also, Ed Pack, good good point. Uh, Guitar Center has them uh, stools on sale from time to time. I have a couple I got for thirty bucks. Uh, yeah, all the ones I have, same deal. I uh, I have a bunch of these, so you know, I probably have like ten of these because for reasons <laughs> around the house. Um, and uh, same thing, anytime they're on sale, I have them. That's why I have. That's why I said I have all kinds of brands. Whoever whoever has a lot of times, brands will make them to sell them and make money because they put them at crazy prices, like hundred bucks a piece, hundred twenty bucks, and they don't do well, so they clearance them out. So I have like an Ampeg one that I got on clearance when they clearance them out and stuff like that. Uh, and Rex Navarro says pork pie drum throne. Pork pie is what I have in my other room. It is a stool, but it looks like that. But it's the pork pie drum throne top, and it's. It's pretty plush, man. That's the, that's the, that's the seat. <laughs> that's, that's the seat where you go, I'm going to play guitar for the next three hours, sit down. That's the seat you use. That's a plush seat, man. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, but the pork pie ones, not cheap. You ain't getting that on a deal. At least if you do, you need to let me know, put that in the comments. I'd love to know where you're getting the deal on those. Um, so there you go. Uh, hold on a second. All right, back to this. Um, if you get a stool seat, remove staples, get some extra padding, install, <laughs> restable. That's Tim. Yes. Yeah. Well, they're they're horrible. That's why I said get them on sale. T -t Tim's right. These things thing these things are they're junk. They're just. That's why I say when you see them for hundred bucks, it's not the hundred bucks that's the problem. It's the they're pretty bad. <laughs> so. They're, they're not quality at all. Yeah, office chairs without arms. Uh, well, I'm sitting in an office chair right now. My office chair is this kind that the arms go up. See? So I use that. So when I'm playing guitar, like if I grab a guitar right now, I just put one arm up. Yeah, I have to have... If you have an office chair and you're a guitar player, you either can't have arms or you have to have the arms that go up. So I get the ones with the arms that go up. So... Uh, yeah, instead of Ed, uh, instead of uh, no arms, get the arms to go up. Uh, and same thing, you got to find office chairs on on sale because, woo, <laughs> it's a yeah. First time I ever bought an office chair, I went into the store and I was like, I think I had a heart attack. I thought it was gonna be like you know seventy five bucks, and they were like two hundred fifty dollars for a chair, and I was like, Whew. so um, you know, I got mine. Is uh, my wife hooks uh, finds this stuff, hooked me up with all stuff. Uh, uh, she finds uh, you know businesses sell the old chairs and stuff or whatever. I don't know. You can find that stuff. Get some company to sell, sell you their surplus industrial chairs, you know, office chairs. This is the weirdest 
live show ever. We're talking about chairs and stools. <laughs> now let's talk about dinettes and <laughs> and tables. So music 72 says he likes the guitar center pro line bar stool seems to be a good quality. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, man, just, I, I, you know, same thing. I bought a few. What I found is they all break down the same. Uh, and when I mean break down over time, they just break down the same. So, and if you have a house full of kids like me, they get the kids just destroy them man. they spin on them and they just spin around and do all this crazy stuff on them. And they just wear out. <laughs> so, um, uh, let's see. Uh, okay uh gabe's got a question i'm just trying to make sure i understand this is, is it a bad idea to put put an out of phase switch oh swish switch is it a bad idea to put an out of phase switch modification in the middle position of my 72 sg deluxe yes don't do it man you know why you're i don't care if you say hey i love the guitar i'm gonna play it forever that's what every everyone who's ever shown me a vintage guitar that has a modification to it has one of two statements. Either it was done before they got it, and that's how they got a deal on it, or they wish they never did it. I've never heard anybody say, even when they've been playing, I, I've met people, I met guitar players. This is probably the, the most powerful thing. I've met guitar players that are in their 80s who have guitars from from literally their young adult life and they've they've played them forever and they've done mods and they've had it their whole life there's no reason you know there's no reason to sell it there's no reason it, the devaluement will hurt there and they've said they've regretted every modification they've done to the guitar so uh my guess to you is if you're going to do the out of phase switch mod um if you do it uh the word i don't like to hear is switch use like a push pull or something that we're there's ways to do it without having to install a new switch or drill holes. That's what I'm thinking of when you're saying this stuff to me, don't mod the instrument is what I'm saying. Um, you know, get the components that will do it without any modifications of the guitar. There you go. And that's, you know, and that's, that's my advice for that. All right. Uh, what else do we got? We're at the last, got to find the last question. Hold on a second before I say that. Make sure we don't have one I missed. Okay, so we got two questions because um, David says, new neighbor Iconocast class, Iconoclast stereo cab sim headphones. Yes. <laughs> I don't think that's a question. It's just, you're, you're, just, uh, you're uh, telling us about it. Um, I'll have to check them out. So I'll put it in the index. So uh, I, I know who new neighbor is. I did a review of their reverb. It was really good. That was like, two years ago uh when the channel it was like right at the beginning of the channel um what i call pre-computer time before i even use a computer and cameras to make videos when it was all on my phone uh so new neighbor i iconoclast i'll have to check it out stereo headphones and <laughs> all right we gotta end on this one sg flying v says best shoes for pressing pressing pedal switches you know <laughs> vans it's always vans it's vans <laughs> the answer is vans the only acceptable ex uh, exchange of vans would be chuck taylor's and then my but since this is a a live qa where you give advice i'll give you the best advice don't take advice from a guy who wears a black hat black shirt with a white logo jeans and vans every day of the week so uh yeah <laughs> that's don't take your fashion advice from that person probably won't won't bode well for you oh yeah you know what cowboy boots for gear man dude yes uh if you're cool and you got the snakeskins uh you go for it otherwise it's vans or chucks all the way all right guys that was an awesome live show thank you guys for hanging out uh 850 of us and uh i hope you guys have a great weekend something exciting for you guys at least for me exciting is i got a review coming out it will come out tomorrow but i'm going to link it in this video uh today when the index comes up so you can see it ahead of time if you'd like otherwise it comes out tomorrow it's the uh tone wood uh yeah tone wood you know the big scary argument no it's a tone wood amp uh it's crazy if you don't know what that is you can google it or wait for the review and uh, i'm pretty excited about it and uh, on that note we are going to say before we go i'm going to say thank you to the uh 
to the crew, the crew that makes this happen every week. Make sure if you don't already check out the website, the cool thing is the website's getting revamped as we speak and it's going to be even more impressive than before. And what the live show support crew, I just want to say thank you to them. I'm going to go ahead and let you see their names so I can read them real fast. And uh, this is the this is the new tradition on the show where I just butcher people's names at the end, uh, and or try not to. Jeff Howe, Zachary Rowe, Michael Newman, Bruce, and the Saltwater Whiskey Band. Uh, Hannah Gunson, thank you, Hannah, by the way, for the super chat and question today. John Jex, Michael Shy, Justin Mabe, David Madison, Andrew Good, and Andy Dennis, Anthony Desposito, Billy Robinson, Bob Crosley, Bob Pickwode, Brian Stewart, Carlos Patillo, Chuck Keane, Chief Squatch, Chris from New Mexico. Chris Glaze, Craig Parker, David Reese, Dave. You know, I just realized Chris from New Mexico is like Steve from Boston. Anyways, Dave Reese, Dennis Prescott, uh, Aaron. I Aaron, I didn't still not going to get you said I said your name right last week, but I'm still going to say it wrong, I think, or try to say it right again. Uh, Kimiker, Gary Marshall, Greg Peterson, Jason Spacek, James Biles, J. Joe Watson, John Russell, Jonathan Pickering, Joseph McCarthy, Kermit Jackson, Larry Colkin. Lawrence Petros, Lonnie Hoke, Michael Lindner, Muse guitarists, Paul Ostreich, Louis and Alvaro from Pedal Pal Effects, Ricky Robson, Robert Hodges, Sam Oram, Scott Tompkins, Steve Hogan, Tim Camacho, Tim Farnsworth, Todd Flowers, and Zesty Basil Pizza. This is probably the best I've done in a while reading off that list. Thank you guys so much for sponsoring the channel, making this happen. You know what it is? It's, it's nice to know uh, every month that uh, you're going into the month and you should keep doing it. So thank you guys for supporting the channel. It really helps uh, because, you know, uh, every week there's another nice news, uh, something in the news about how YouTube's collapsing. So it, it could always happen, but it's nice to know I should keep going because of you guys. And of course, all you guys hanging out with me every Friday is another reason I got to keep this going. And uh, as always, I want to thank you guys for spending the time with me today. And until next week, I guess know your gear, right? Bye, guys.